and welcome to VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. And we're on episode 59. Yep, we've survived uh, quite a while now. Um, some podcasts come and go, but my co-pilot and myself, John Evans, keep going. Are you okay, John? I am, Steve. I am. There's always something to talk about, isn't there? There is always. Even when you think usually a quiet time of year, we, we come up with stuff and there is topical stuff as well to talk this week. Um, first of all, anyone who's watching on YouTube or iTunes, Spotify, if you can leave us a review or a comment, that would be great because it certainly helps us with uh, iTunes last year. I think we got up to a few weeks ago. We were number 35 or 36 in their, their charts, uh, John was telling me and showing me, which is fantastic. Anyway, our special guest this week is a bell-to-bell return. Well, one of Britain's most exciting fighters. I think I was speaking with Sheldon Kay at MTK yesterday about him. And, uh, you know, he's in that Carl Thompson-esque when it comes to wars. So, uh, it's Alex Dilmagani. Thank you for coming on, Alex. Uh, thank you for inviting me. That's good. Um, well, it's great to have you back on here, but it'll be even better when we see you back in the ring. We You haven't boxed for 16 months. You've kept a low profile. We've John and myself have been cajoling you to get on the podcast and you've been very polite and telling us I can't at the moment, I can't at the moment. Um, and now you're back. You're under new management. So where have you been and when are you back? Uh, I don't know when I'm back in the ring yet, but it's going to be soon. It's going to be very active this year and it's going to be very productive and very big. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to get back in the ring. Excited to be, to be back fighting. Um, where I've been, I've been been back in Mexico training. I've been in Manchester. I've been getting things outside the ring sorted. And um, I've still been dedicated. I've still been disciplined, still been training. And um, still been working on my craft. And if anything, it's kind of rejuvenated me this, this time out. It's been, it's, been, um, it's been a bit frustrating. But at the same time, it's been, uh, it's, it's, I've got that real hunger back. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to showing it. I know you're in Manchester at the moment. Is that where you're going to be based now for all your training with Ant Crawler? And uh, I'm going to be splitting my time. I'm, I'm, um, my training is natural Palestine in Mexico, and when I'm in Manchester, um, I'm going to be uh, spending my time with Crawler and working with Crawler. That's good. Yeah. One one of your topics I was going to put in this today, Alex, was Alex Dilmagani's hit list. You know who's on his radar. But it would have been a really short topic because I, I get the impression you would have just said everybody. <laughs> you know what? I'm just focusing on who are the names put in front of me. Yeah. And right now, I don't have the names put in front of me. But, you know, you know my goal. You know my, my purpose. And everyone inside the ring, everyone who, who opposes me, you know, I give my all. I give the fans my all. And so, you know, that will never change. But the, the way I am, I, I love, to, uh, love to train. I love to fight. I love boxing and uh, I like to improve. So that's, I'm just improving my craft constantly. And I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I'll tell you the fight. And I know John would love this fight. It might have been John who we were discussing this before. Alex Dilmagani challenging Anto, Anto Kakachi for the British Super Featherweight title. What a fight. What do you think, John? It's got to be a hell of a, hell of a fight, wouldn't it? No quarter given there between either of you. But what, where, do you, where do you see Alex? Do you, I've spoken to him in the past and you said people like, Kakachi, Zelfa, Archie Sharp, you put yourself above them. You know, now you've been out of the ring and they've had a little bit of limelight. Zelfa's up to number one in the IBF rankings. Uh, Kakachi's up, Sharp's number 
in the top three in the He's WBO. Come, I think he might be mandatory for the WBO. <laughs> do, you, do you like see that they've gained on you now and it might be worth your while to fight them or do you still think, no, 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 they've got to come for me? Of course. Of course they've they've gained on me. I've been out of the ring 18 months, you know. Um, they're bound to gain on me, you know. And I think, I've got to say as well, I think a lot of people um, have slept on, uh, what's his name? Martin Ward. I think a lot of people don't mention his name just because he he lost. He's lost. Yeah. He's lost at the the top level. Um, I think it is a very very good uh, you know division, obviously, yeah. and I'm excited to to fight um, and be in the mix because really and truly um, these are the fights. It, it, it's important to be in big fights. Important to be in good fights. Fights that fans want to see. Uh, not only makes more money, but it's more of a respect thing as well. Anyone can be, you know, champion of a division that's got no one in it. You know, it, it's uh, it, it's important to to be good guys. You know, I, I know you are obviously you, you and Stephen, you're all you know real fans of the sport, historians, and what's the greatest rivalry of all time? The Fabulous Four. They all fought each other. You know, that's obviously at the highest level of all time. But it's about fighting the best guys. Um, like I say, I'm. Uh, spoke to the guys at MTK. I'm having a, a fight to get some rust off, and then whoever, whenever, wherever. And you know, that's it. I'm I'm looking to get back. You know, time kind of. I wouldn't say lost. It's kind of been delayed. You know, um, and I think a lot of people have. Uh, it's actually one of the topics. So I think a lot of people have kind of like lost time, kind of in the COVID time. So that's one blessing about being out out of the ring at this time. It's COVID. Thing, this whole COVID situation has lasted for like two years. So, you know, a lot of people have had what tops two fights, really. So, yeah. Well, thanks for that uh, insight and update. And as I say, I'm sure everyone watching this or listening, Alex, will be looking forward to you back in action, especially given what we've seen your last couple of fights on on Channel 5, and it'd be good for boxing. And are you ready, John, to start with round one for a quick three minutes? Alex is going to start us off. Who I think Alex wants to discuss, are YouTubers good for boxing? So far away, Alex. Yeah, a a lot of people are saying, you know, they're they're good for boxing because they bring different, uh, different, different types of fans to sport. They also bring more revenue. So, so, um, you know, more money, the promoters can kind of spend on other fighters. And I get that. I get the whole, um, the whole more money to the shows and they can finance other fighters fighting um, because we all know the politics of boxing. Sometimes it's about the finances. You know, a show needs to make money to, to pay its fighters. So I'm all for fighters getting paid well. But as far as new fans and to the sport, Boxing doesn't need new fans to sport. It's been a, a really old sport since, you know, forever. And um, I think it makes me personally, I, I, I hate it. I think it, it makes it like a, a mockery of, of really and truly a sport you can get killed in, a sport you can get hurt in, and a sport that many, many, many fighters have repercussions of it. You know, um, there's a saying, um, you don't you don't enter boxing the same way you leave it. Um, and a lot of that is true health-wise, mentally and physically. Um, and I think a lot of these YouTubers, they, they kind of make a mockery of the sport. That's yeah. my take on it. You know what? 
Oh, you're disagreeing with me. I've sort of warmed to this Paul guy, this Jake Paul. I think he's saying some of the right things. He's calling the UFC out quite well for what they are. I think when he, he was on about, you know, women's boxing and the purses they're getting, you know, I think some of the points he makes are, are, are more important than what he's doing in the ring because he's making points that other boxers make that are very valid points and they get ignored. So I, I, quite, I quite welcome that. Um as you say, I, I get why fighters particularly don't like what what you know, them boxing, but I, I think he I think he's doing some good things in what he's saying outside the ring, which is more important than what he's doing in the ring. I don't know where you stand, John, on that. The one thing I'll give him credit for is he's actually fighting people who are trying to beat him early on in his career. Lots of prospects in Britain, they won't be fighting eight rounds against someone who's actually trying to beat them. And he was willing to fight Tommy Fury, who would have come to beat him over eight rounds. So I give him credit for that. But like you, Alex, I think the new fans of Sport Attracts, they're not interested in watching a boxing match for 10 rounds. They want a little three-second yeah. highlight clip on the phone they can turn into a meme. They want a brutal knockout and see someone get embarrassed. They're not interested in watching um, Shakur Stevenson outbox someone for 12 rounds. They just want quick, fast highlights, don't they? I don't I don't want them types of fans to the no. sport. You know? I really don't. I mean, I, I, they're, they're like trolls. You know what I mean? Um yeah, I understand. Like I say, uh, like you know, he's got he's got a brand, and he and he's you know calling certain things out. I don't know quite what he's been saying about the UFC. I haven't really been. Another uh, round, Alex. Uh, um, round round two is over to me. The curse of the COVID, and uh, you know what's really got to me. I was really really upset last week for Callum Johnson. Um, he was due to fight Joe Smith for the Americans WBO light heavyweight title in Verona, New York this Saturday. He'd been training for, you know, since well before Christmas and suddenly it's pulled from him because of COVID. Um, and you think a guy like him, who's a, been a good pro, had some great wins. And when he fought Baturbiev, he might've lost him four rounds. He gave his all that night. I mean, that was a proud challenge. He, I think he dropped Baturbiev in the second round and Baturbiev was hurt. When he went down, he got up, he recovered, but he was hurt. That wasn't a flash knockdown. Um, and I just think, yeah, poor guy like Callum, where does this leave him now? He's 36 years of age. He's not going to get that chance because the WBO are going to order the mandatory. He's almost banking on Anthony. You know, his only chance of getting a world title fight now is Anthony Yard um, beating Joe Smith Jr. as the, when he gets his mandatory challenge and then getting first defence. And I think, you know, the effect, we've got people, there is, there's a, 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 I think the worst example of what COVID's um, done to a fighter. I just get, you know, your, your opinion, particularly Alex, on this, the curse of COVID. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing because, um, you know what, I'm kind of in the middle um, with everything COVID related, like, I'm starting to switch off the news now because you get conflicting things and some people get uh, affected by it, some people don't. And even in boxing, even if you're not affected by it, if you're, if you're positive, you don't fight and you don't get paid and all that time sacrifice, like, it's not a guaranteed any, anymore. Like, it's not guaranteed if, if you have a fight date that you actually fight because if you get positive tests, then you can't fight. Um, it's hard, and I feel for CJ. Um, he's a you know really good fighter. He's got a hard punch, and I agree. He um, I actually saw that uh, saw that fight the the other day for the uh, for the first time um, against Peter Beer, 
And because I saw Bet Bev's last fight and it kind of rolled on to the next one on YouTube. And uh, yeah, CJ put up a hell of a fight. Um, he's, he's got a lot of power, but hopefully he'll come back. Hopefully, hopefully he will get his shot. He just has to, you know, stay in the gym, have to, um, he has to just stay disciplined and focus on what he can focus on. Yeah, I think um, up until this point, Josh Warrington was the guy who suffered most, wasn't it? But the way the cards have fallen, Josh has ended up getting a shot at his old title and might end up back exactly where he was two years ago. But poor Callum, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. He's in the who needs him club. He's going to get his shot overtaken yeah. by Yard, and and then it's just if Yard can do it, Callum will get a shot. If not, he won't. Yeah. Over to you, John, for. A, f- a fight that was connected, loosely connected with a man you just mentioned. Yeah, I keep, you know, certain fights take root in your mind and you, you keep thinking back to them. I can't wait for Lee Wood against Michael Conlon. It, it just jumps off the screen at me every time I see it. I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. I think Lee Wood, I've always liked Lee Wood. Um, I like that style. I like how he, he holds himself. If, if you're going to come to him, you pay a price because apparently you can really, really punch. You know, it's, it's legitimate power. Um, Mick Conlon we've seen flashes obviously a, a world class amateur but I don't think he's put it all together yet but someone like Mick is going to have a night where it all comes together you know he's not going to go through his career disappointing is he it's all going to happen for him one night the atmosphere in Nottingham is going to be incredible the Irish are going to take over I just think we've got a, a true boxer versus puncher fight here I can't wait for it. I couldn't tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to pull a bunsy and wait until I've seen my weigh-in. But I, I just think it's a, a surefire hit. I can't wait for it. And I think it's a perfect clash of styles. Alex? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic fight. Um, I'm the same. I'm kind of on the fence. Um, I think it's a good clash of um, trainers as well because Ben Davidson and his, his team, uh, Lee Wiley, as well, they, they seem to have a, a good thing going on, you know, they're, they're really good stable, they're winning a lot and obviously Adam Booth is a fantastic trainer, so it's good in that sense as well, two great teams going up against each other um, also I find it uh, interesting that Lee Wood he's, uh, he's been at Federate for a long time um, that could pose something, because I think he may be a bit tighter that way, whereas um, I know Conlon for a super random weight and he was way, way too big for that fight. Uh, way too big for that weight. I think featherweight is a good weight for him. Uh, I think it's a very, very interesting, you know, clash of styles. Um, yeah. I think it's a very, very interesting fight. Very good fight. I'm, I'm, in, I'm excited for it. You know what, John? Just thinking there when you were talking about it, about um, describing Michael Conlon. And I've been like you, and I, you know, I'm on the fence at the moment of this fight. I will pick a winner a bit before the way in, who I think will win. But I'm just thinking there, you've almost got me edging towards Conlon because he had that yeah. terrible luck in the Olympics. I just got a feeling it, this could it, just no, I don't know why. Just some you saying that one night in his life, it's got to come together. Now, I don't yes. think we're going to see one of these great five year reigns with Michael Conlon where they, you know, go, you know, keep see off everybody. But there's one night in his life, it's got to come together. And although it's in Lee Woods Town, you just fancy that that arena is going to be full of people from, you know, obviously Lee's going to be supported. It's going to be full of people from Belfast that night. There's, Amateur is going to be crazy, for sure. Over to you, um, Alex, for your final topic. Is it fair to compare? 
Yeah, I don't think it's I, I don't think it's fair to compare uh, generations. Um, there's a lot of people, for instance, saying um, Mayweather is the best ever. Um, Canelo Alvarez the best Mexican fighter ever. And then, you know, you got to think they haven't fought fifteen rounds. They haven't fought on the same circumstances as a lot of these guys who fought, you know, every month or three times a month, like Sugar Ray Robinson. Um, you know, and they haven't fought in the same era, for instance. Mayweather in the Fabulous Four era. I mean, not even the Fabulous Four. I mean, Hans, Hagler, Duran, Leonard, they all could be top 10 pound for pound of all time. And But even outside of that, you had Wilfredo Benitez, you had Alan Pryor around that same generation, same time. It's just, I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's fair to, uh, to compare eras because certain eras are tougher than others. And just because accomplishments, it doesn't kind of translate to it, you know? Oh yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. Yeah, it's you, Floyd's incredibly skilled, isn't he? Just using Floyd as a an ex, example, incredibly skilled. But these guys were displaying that four or five times a year against the elite people. Maybe, maybe if these guys, these we've got nowadays, for guys who we think are really good, fought more regularly, you know, maybe we'd see it come out of them more. Maybe the challenge would bring even more greatness out of them. But it, as it is, the sample size you've got of these new fighters, it's so small. You're getting guys retiring after 25, 26, 27 fights. Duran was, wasn't even in the Hall of Fame at lightweight when he'd had 25, 26, 27 fights. He went on to have 120, didn't he? So you just can't compare them. But, but trying to achieve what those guys did in a quarter of the time, a quarter of a number of fights, and I, I just don't think it's a, um, a serious comparison these days. I, can you imagine Duran with the current training methods fighting twice a year? He'd be revved up. He'd be full of energy. He'd be flying at these guys. I, I just don't think you can compare them. You can't. And you know what? That's the point. At these, the, with these guys with the training methods now, it's like footballers these days, the way they're finely tuned compared with 20, 30 years ago, where, you know, you'd have a stake before a game to get your, you know, yeah. give your energy. It's just, it's just different. I, I just think the boxing subjective, I just find the whole thing mythical as well, like pound for pound list. I just like to celebrate guys for what they're doing in, in their area. But as you say, imagine these guys like Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, Duran, you know, the, the Fab Four. Imagine them in this era. You well, imagine I, I, some, I, I, like, I, some I, heavyweight. Imagine Larry Holmes in this era. Imagine Marvin Hagler with a dietitian. That's, that's it. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> get down to. I mean, imagine Larry Holmes of all this, whatever it is now. You, you know, yeah. the, the different. I, I just find it it's subjective. I find the whole thing mythical. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, right, my final um, topic. Who will be the big boy of 2022? I just want to get the opinion of you guys, particularly we talk heavyweights a lot on here. Um, so the nice to hear Alex's view. How you see the heavyweight division and who will be standing at the end of this year? Just very briefly, I don't see much change in it. I don't think this white and fury... The white and fury things a lot. It's going to be slow again. I think we'll be, if we're lucky, we will get a unification at the end of the year. If we're lucky, I just see it almost standing just as it is now in 12 months' time with a division held up. And I, I, I bought this up. So, Alex, you're really good listening to you to get your opinion on this. Well, I agree. I mean, it's similar kind of going back to what John is saying, you know, guys fighting once or twice a year. I don't think, I don't really see much changing. Um, Maybe Tyson fights uh, Dylan White. Maybe he doesn't. I, I don't know how that stands. Um, I think Tyson Fury is the top of the tree, to be fair. Beating Deontay Wilder the way he did. Um, I know Usek's there. 
and he's rematching um, Joshua. Um, so yeah, I just I don't see much changing. Don't see much changing between that kind of that list. No, I, I'm the same, Alex. I, I don't think there'll be one person standing tall at the end of it. I think there'll be two, and I think it'll still be Fury and Usyk because they won't have fought each other. I yeah, think Fury's got more than enough. We spoke about Fury White. It'll be a great fight, but Fury will beat White. Um, going off everything we saw from the first fight, you'd think Usyk could beat Joshua again, but they're going to be held up with mandatories and disputes, and unless there's some miracle and they somehow get together in Saudi Arabia later on in the year, I just can't see it happening. So, yeah, I think at the end of the year, we'll still have Fury and Usyk holding all the belts. We're all be parked up, and you're, we're going to get... We're going to get this situation where the WBO and IBF start ordering mandatories before the end of the year, and that can throw in confusion too because you'll be spending Josh a week training, paying off fighters. Sorry, Alex. So isn't Joshua in training? Um, when, when are they fighting? Well, they're due to fight in April, Joshua and Usyk. Oh, okay. yeah. But um, it, it's just hard to see any any change, because especially at the end, when you start getting mandatories thrown in, as you say, the end of the year. And as you know, the IBF, WBO are quite strict on them. You know, I think Joe Joyce has been number one with the WBO now since last summer. Hergovich is going to fight a final eliminator, so, for the IBF. So, I just think um, no change. And I, I think maybe this time next year we might be talking, looking forward to an August unification somewhere. Yeah. Or an April unification, sorry. Usyk just tore up. Usyk tore It was all on track, wasn't it? It was all on track for the mega fight we all wanted. And Usyk was fantastic and just tore up the script, wasn't it? He did, mate. Are we, are we three minutes there, John? I think we've gone over. Well, got, we've got four seconds left, so we'll call oh, it well. early. Right. Um, over to you, John. Final round. Yeah. Which trainer's going to win the Joshua lottery? You know, we've seen him here, there and everywhere, haven't we? Trying... Oh, God. Have we seen Ronnie Shields? I've seen him in the gym with Floyd recently over in Dubai. He just seems, from what he's saying and what we see, as if he can't make his mind up. I saw a video recently of him doing some wrestling, imposing his strength, and you think, right, he's on the right track there, you know, to be the bigger man against Usyk, be aggressive, tie him up in clinches, walk him round. And then you see him with Floyd, you know, touching the bag and moving off, and totally different approaches to going about this. I just hope that in Joshua's mind, he's got a serious plan of what he needs to do I hope he doesn't go down the De La Hoya route of using different trainers for all different fights. I think Joshua needs one man, one strong voice to point him in the right direction and just ride it out for the rest of his career, win or lose. I've got no idea who he's going to announce in the next couple of weeks. I just hope Joshua's got an idea and it's not a spur of the moment choice. Yeah. Uh, is that over to me? Yeah, yeah great. Yeah, I, I, don't, um, I don't know who's going with that. I saw he was uh, going... Um, he trained a bit with Duane Uso, which is like trainer of the year. Uh, he's just smashing it with everyone, to be fair, um, and and going around places. But like you, when I saw that wrestling clip, I thought, yeah, nah, that's good. You know, he, he's he's going to manhandle because he can't box Usek. Usek is a superior boxer. Joshua's a good, you know, very good boxer, obviously, but Usek is um is is a is a very very highly technically skilled fighter it makes sense to impose his weight impose his strength and, and turn and turn it into like a, a street fight almost um and i think a change of scenery is good you know to get him into kind of kind of that mental mental approach and what he's going to have to you know like going back to Hagler when he put himself in prison um you know turn it street but um 
I don't know. I don't know what trainer is going to be uh, is going to be good for him on that. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. You say he's so indecisive. I really appears indecisive. You know, we we're not, we're not in his inner circle to know what he's thinking. But I wouldn't be surprised if he just thought sod it now for this Usyk rematch. I've got to stick with Robert McCracken and maybe not have John Fernandez and and Joby Clayton in the corner. Is it if Robert? And I don't think Robert's too enamoured by him. I'm guessing he wouldn't be. Um, yeah. Because I think you're you're getting to a stage now. You maybe you're 12 weeks out from the Usyk rematch. That's not a lot of time. Now, there's plenty of these gun for hire trainers who are good trainers. Buddy McGirt, as we mentioned, you know, the Renoso, Freddie Renoso, great trainers. But there's some Alex would know. Is there a danger that in 12 weeks they would try to change him too much? You know, how much can you change him in two weeks to pre- 12 weeks to prepare for you, sick? I think tactically you got it wrong in this last fight, like everyone was saying, tactically. Um, and I think that you know maybe maybe like you said there was too many um, too many voices in the corner. I'm a firm believer one voice should always be in the corner. Um, I forgot who said that. A lot of old school trainers have Not said that. Yeah, yeah. One, one voice should be in the corner because you you don't want to be like listening to three four different opinions. You don't know where you are. Um, you want you want direct advice. So yeah, maybe he he will stay with McCracken. McCracken's done a great job with him and other people. Um, He's a great trainer, obviously. Um, but like I say, maybe they'll come with a well, they will, I'm sure, come with a different approach. And um, maybe getting out of the Sheffield base is quite good. Maybe a change of scenery is good. Maybe going on camp somewhere like in the States with McCracken. Um, I wouldn't rule that out. Um, you know, we live in a very uh social media society, and maybe he's just doing all this to try and like smoke screen, keep yeah. us guessing, keep us talking, wondering where he's going, you know, just for the hell of it, just because he can. See, I won't be surprised if he stayed with Robert 12, 12 weeks out. It's, yeah. it's not as if, you know, right, okay, your next fight's till June. He's got time. There's 12 weeks to get ready for this fight. And he's got to go with someone. Obviously, I'm not, the other people won't be great trainers, but got to get used to their, adapt to them. Whereas he does know how Robert operates, what Robert expects. Yeah. And we, we've seen Robert, Robert send people out to fight to the strengths. With Froch, he did it with Froch for years, didn't he, Froch? Was that and type of fight? We would impose caveman. himself. He would impose his strength. He was a caveman, his wasn't he? On people. So yeah. you know what to do. It's just in Joshua's mind. Yeah, I mean, Frotch was just—he was a caveman, wasn't he? You just have to. <laughs> that, he that, was a, a caveman. He, he was. Uh, we, we talk of fighters. They just go. We're just wrapping up here. I know. We, you, you know, you got the great topic you had earlier about is it fair to compare, Alex? Can you imagine Frotch fighting in the 70s and 80s? He he would have survived on one, I'm telling you. Like I say, you shouldn't compare generations. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm comparing. Uh, I'm, I'm against comparing, but I'm thinking he would have won in that generation. Again, I'm not. I'm, I'm criticizing what I said myself. Okay. Uh, he's definitely got that throwback mentality. I remember seeing the um, recently as well. I saw the Jermaine Taylor fight when he came like last yeah. minute. From behind, he's got that, like you said, caveman. That's the perfect description from him. I, I was, sat, um, I was sat three feet away from uh, the first fight with George Groves, I was virtually touching the ringside. And the sixth round, when Groves was landing, every punch in the book, and Groves could punch. I've never yeah. seen a human take that much punishment. And how Frotch came through that, I, I will never forget that for as long as I live. That is just yeah. a 
incredible chin and incredible heart for Ocha. He's been so many, so many oh. good fights. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 when I was on newspapers, I had some. He was one of those people, Carl. Um, you, you'd be around, you, you'd never get close to, but you'd always get to know. And I found him a fascinating fella outside of the ring as well. I went to his house in Nottingham one day, and um, it was just fascinating. It was just a fascinating day trying to get to know. And there was things he was saying there that was just. Um, he just was unboxer-like in his attitude to life with things. I mean, I'm an I'm a absolute massive fan of Carl Froch. I love him to bits. Well, there we go. Gone way over on that last round, Steve. Oh, well, we went from, well, we kept Robert McCracken topical, but <laughs> Alex Dilmagani, thanks very much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed that little half hour with John and myself, and uh, I can't wait to see you back in action. Can't wait to be back. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Alex. John, as always, thanks very, very much as well. Thanks, guys, for your time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week. Have a nice night, guys. Thank you. Thanks a lot. For all boxing, info, news, and latest interviews, Amateur and Pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.